the UK Psych Health and Safety and ISO 45003 podcast. The goal of the UK Psych Health and Safety podcast is to be your source of information on psychological injury prevention, health promotion and best practice. In doing this, we aim to rapidly advance the global practice of psychological health and safety in workplaces and adoption of best practices from the ISO 45003 standard. We will be looking at fully integrated approaches to managing psych health and safety and well-being strategy in the workplace that meet the needs of everyone in the organisation. Your regular host will be Peter Kelly, Senior Psychologist with the UK Health and Safety Executive and Sheila Lord of BMR Health and Wellbeing. Every week we will have a guest episode from the fields of health and safety, human resources, psychology and academia who are leading the way in their corner of the globe. Hello and thank you for listening. Welcome to episode one of our podcast. Uh, I'm Sheila Lord of BMR Health and Wellbeing. Um, For those of you that don't know me, um, just quickly, uh, in terms of my background, I've spent the last 30 years uh, working in the corporate world uh, and I left industry about three and a half years ago. Uh, I'd literally had enough of the long commutes and the whole hamster wheel of corporate life. I was burnt out, worn out and I just had enough. Now, when I first got started in the workplace mental health space, uh, my intention was to help people not to burn out as I did. And I went down the path that a lot of organisations do do when first tasked with looking at mental health and wellbeing at work. And that was very much uh, the reactive uh, approaches that we see quite often. Um, And that was, you know, fitness initiatives, mental health first aid, EAP, and very much centred on the person and the individual. Now, as I was going through this process, something really wasn't gelling with me. Everything that we were doing uh, was focused on the individual, all very reactive and just seemed to be a little bit backwards uh, with more emphasis on the person who was actually stressed and teaching them to cope and not really on what was causing them to be stressed in the workplace initially um, and kind of what what were, the, what were those contributing factors. So I looked into that more and my journey has taken me all around the world, albeit virtually these days. Um, and I now work with organisations and individuals whose values really align with mine. And one of those um, is uh, my co-host for the podcast, which is Peter Kelly. Now, Pete's a senior psychologist at the UK Health and Safety Executive, and he's also a member of the International Working Group for ISO 45003, which is one of the um, key elements of this podcast. Uh, ISO uh, 45003, for those of you who don't know, is the global standard uh, for psychological health and safety at work, which is due for release later this year. So with more than 20 years of experience at the HSE, Pete's been working in this field for many years. So, over to Pete. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sheila. It's quite an unusual conversation to be having because I'm Australian. I keep talking to Sheila. um, (laughs) There you go. Um, Yeah, I've been at uh, HSE since uh, 1998. Um, So that's putting me into nearly uh, 23 years. Went on a one-year contract and never quite got out. Uh, during that time, though, I've um, probably spent the best part of 21 of those years working on mental health, work-related stress, and how we tackle it. And uh, I've seen many changes and many um, iterations of what people have tried to do to manage work-related stress and mental health. And uh, I am still convinced it's a preventable uh, condition. 
mm-hmm. which we should be managing at source. And if that source is at work, which in most cases for web related stress is in the title, then we need to be tackling that. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. So, in terms of, um, just for the listeners, Pete, in terms of how big the size of the problem is in the UK, um, do you want to just give us some kind of current facts and figures? Um, not just the current yeah. facts and figures, kind of where we've come from and where we are today during your time that you've been working on this? Yeah. So, when I, when I started in HSC in 1998, we had approximately 7 million days lost to work-related stress. Um, in 99, it went up to 9 million and the, the, the incumbent government at the time tasked the uh, health and safety executive with looking at a national strategy for tackling work-related stress mm-hmm. uh, and in the process looking at mental health and well-being. Although we didn't call it well-being at the time because well-being was a, was a, a, new was a term that was, that, yeah, new work was just coming along. Yeah. Um, and, and so effectively... When we launched the management standards, which was in 2004, we were at 12 million days, so we've seen quite a dramatic increase. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were at 17.8 million days lost to work-related stress. Right. So that's the the most uh, amount of days lost for a, a, an occupational health condition, and it's actually the most days lost uh, also uh, in in terms of both safety and health and health. So it accounts for, 50, and I think I've said, 57% of all wow. sickness absence. Uh, 828,000 people were off with it. And that's a rise in the previous year of about 200,000 uh, 200, um, persons. That's one week into the pandemic. Wow. So um, I think the, the current situation is such that we've gone through this pandemic, there will be some uh, impact on people's mental health. Um, certainly some of the evidence is suggesting that uh, it could be as, an increase in some sectors as high as you know, 20%. Mm-hmm. Certainly in the healthcare sector, we've seen quite a massive, a large increase um, through many of the international studies. But also, I mean, generally, I think we're living in a culture where um, we've kind of accepted that um, we have to change the individual and not the organisation. And it's a very backward approach to actually looking at it. Yeah, so it's like going into a factory and saying, well, we'll make sure that people don't put the finger inside that machinery. Yeah. So we don't need to put a guardian, we don't need to put a guardian on the machine. We'll just tell so them the point is we do need to put a guardian on the machine. Um, so and it's the same way in mental health. You do need to put protective factors in to, to make sure that people's mental health at work is protected. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, we see quite a bit of info, you know, I see quite a lot of posts on LinkedIn um, and, and other kind of platforms through social media um, asking for um, products such as mental health first aid training um, to be made a legal requirement. Um, but surely, you know, this sort of stuff is very reactive in its approach. And, you know, what's the current UK legislation that exists um, in relation to this, Pete, that um, organisations need to be aware of and need to be um, following? I mean, very clearly, um, you know, if you go onto a website, the um, Section 2 of the Health and Safety Workers Act requires you to uh, to protect your workers from both health and safety issues in, the, in their workplace. Mm-hmm. So it's a clear, clearly embedded right from the beginning there. So that includes your physical and, uh, and, and your mental health. Uh, the management regs require that you do a risk assessment where you identify a uh, you know, a 
risk to, to ill health and, or, and, and one's safety. And that doesn't say not including people's mental health. Mm-hmm. That's inclusive in it. Interesting, with the new COVID-19 risk assessments that we're doing, where we've also included in that the requirements of the people's mental health. Um, because actually it's a recognition that people's mental health is very much a part of the equation of, of, of where we are with COVID-19 and, and also how it impacts people's health and safety behaviour. Mm-hmm. So when you've done your risk assessment, then you're duty-bound and required under law to do something about it, to put something reasonable in place to reduce that measure. Now, that reasonable thing in place doesn't, uh, doesn't currently equate to a tertiary intervention. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of it has to be something that's in place that's practically going to influence how people, um, how people are protected at work. Um, so you can do resilience, mindfulness, uh, mental health first aiders, but these are all at what we, what we call the tertiary or individual level. Mm-hmm. And, and what we found was fascinating, because I was here in, in 1998, when we, in the 90s we concentrated very heavily on teaching people to cope, okay. and the data went up. Right. And in the last five years we've been uh, concentrating a lot on individual mental health and wellbeing initiatives and programs and not really addressing the organisational factor. And what we've seen, we've seen an increase. There's almost an acceptance that that um, work is stressful and therefore we're going to have to do something about it. Absolutely, work can be stressful, but it doesn't, therefore it, but it doesn't mean that you, you should, and you don't manage that. Um, and, and, I, and so I think... Um, That's you know, like saying... That's like saying work can be dangerous, isn't it? If you're working at heights or on scaffolding and doing nothing about it, surely. Yeah, some things are a given, and then you think, well, oh, we're not going to do that because it's mental health. But actually, you know, um, with, with it being at 57% of all sickness absences, all sickness absences, which includes accidents included in that, mm. you have to do something, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not like, oh, didn't know there's a problem. Every day, you know, you can read a paper, mm-hmm. you read a news, and you'll, you'll, you'll see stories about people's mental health. Yeah, you know, this is a uh, issue. Mm. So, you know, as well, so the law's clear then, isn't there? And I, and I know we've had this conversation, we've been asked questions in the past when people have said, well, actually, it doesn't state it specifically in the regulations or it doesn't state specifically in the Health and Safety Work Act that that, that extends to mental health. Um, and I know you've had that question thrown at you in the past. But, yeah, but it obviously doesn't, it, it doesn't state it implicitly about the control of respiratory disorders or, um, you know, any range of other health and safety issues. The Act is there to, to cover health and safety at work. Um, and, you know, if, where necessary, um, additional um, additional legislation has come about. But the bulk of health and safety issues are covered under under the Health and Safety at Work Act. So I think um, that's really just an excuse for people to say, oh, well, you know, um, we shouldn't be doing anything until it, it, it's inherently in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be doing this because this, this is actually what a, a, a sensible employer should be thinking about. How do you manage people's health? Keep doing work. Your company remains sustainable. And, mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. You know, COVID-19 is taught as one thing, is that you have to be prepared um, and actually, uh, that, you know, your people are your biggest asset. Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of, um, you know, we've got the 
you know, this is you know, this is not a new issue from you know what you said. It, this is going way way back. So you know, we've got we've got it in law and it exists, whether people are fully aware of that or, or not. Um, but we've also now got. Um, you know, over the years, the HSE have, have brought out the um, stress management standards. And now more recently, over recent years, you've been involved in the development of the new ISO 45003 standard, haven't you, Pete? Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that is and what that covers? Yeah, so that, that's an attempt by the uh, by global authorities uh, in health and safety and uh, um and standards to uh, conceptualise what psychological health and safety and well-being is, mm-hmm. and how it can how it can help businesses and organisations to manage uh, stresses and, and, and the mental health of their, of their people. Mm-hmm. Um, many countries across the globe have done their own forms of initiatives, and some have used the HSE management standards in, in applying it in their own country. Others have gone and done a, a, a different set of standards, um, you know, and it, but we're all aligned with the basic principle that prevention is better than cure. Um, but to sustain that, people think, well, how do I, how do I build in a safety management system? Well, forty five thousand one gave you the principles of a safety management system. Well, forty five thousand three is gives you the uh, gives you the the outline for what a psychological health and safety management system should look like, what things you need to have in place, um, what, what's best practice, what are the terms, what, what is it, what are the outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it embeds it, 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 it itself in, in, in some of the principles of 45001, which is about safety management, and, and looks at hierarchy of controls, um, but also acknowledges that in terms of understanding this area of work-related stress and, and, and the um, mental ill health, uh, much of the research and evidence bases around uh, looking at organisations in three key terms: primary, the organisational stresses and level and issues that are undergoing on tertiary, as we talked about, which is what you happen to do as an individual to help other individuals or to treat those individuals once they've reached a point where um, they potentially are suffering or they have illness, or um, you want to train them to be resilient, train them to be mindful mindful and etc. And what, what people are seeing out is that actually you need primary, but you need the secondary. You need to be training people and live managers to be better managers mm-hmm. about how to look at situations in a different way and assume, not assume that they know what, they, what their staff want and need and are, uh, you know, because actually in this area, we need to be constantly um, basically learning about what makes our people work better, uh-huh. uh, and that's essentially. If you ask me, you know, what does work-related stress do to you? It, it's a negative, and it makes you feel out of control. It makes you feel a sense of, of, of you know, not not feeling that you know where you're going. There. What we're trying to do with with the primary, secondary, tertiary is to change that. So, for us, the management standards, for example, it looks at six areas of work, prime, uh, which are there. And they are demands, control, support, role, relationship, and change. Mm-hmm. And it says if these um, elements of work are present, then and they're being managed, then you you're likely to, to see a reduction in work-related stress. 
built on a model by um, Karasek, who t- talks about the demands, control, support. The presence of high demands, low control, and low support does bring with it um, mental health, mm-hmm. um, potentially work-related stress, uh, ill health. And what we're trying to do is use the six standards. So if you only see six areas of work, then they don't be, they don't become um, predictors of people going off with work-related stress. And that was the essence of the management standards, you know. Okay. Uh, and, and I think um, over the course of the time we've had since 2004 to now, um, they remain resilient and they remain, interesting word, isn't it? Uh, they remain useful. Yeah. Um, but 45,003 kind of amalgamates that, takes the management standards approach, which is embedded into, in, as one of the approaches in the, in the 45,003, mm-hmm. and says, Here's the other things you could be do, you could do and put people in around. Excellent. Um, so it's around it to, to make it so it can it kind of can it's it's kind of completing the circle of having the the risk assessment process for the management says, but it's saying what other things do you you need and um, yeah so I'm I'm particularly um, yeah particularly enthusiastic uh, although I wasn't at the start of the process. <laughs> Why was that? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am now. Yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent. So in terms of what organisations are going to gain from that, I mean, the standard on its own um, is not available for single certification, is it? It's part of 45001. It's, it's a, a it, yeah, sub- there's a guide and a recommendation that you have 45001. I've just been informed that you you would you will, you will be able to get 45003, okay. but it makes reference back to 45001, so that's why... They're suggesting that you get it down. It would be good to have both, um, but you, I'm told that you can you can get forty five thousand and three, um, and uh, they're, they're looking at developing um, a, a small booklet of the terms that you'll see in forty five thousand and three that relate to forty five thousand one. Um, you know, if you if you're going to go for if you're going to go for it, then I think having the standards there. It is a useful way to you know to sort of give you direction as an organisation. Absolutely, and, and you're talking the global language, then, aren't we? As businesses across, across, yeah. across. Yeah. It took eight, it took it took us uh, nearly eight hours to talk about the word risk. Really, in the committee. Okay. So yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's not as, the language is never as straightforward. <laughs> as the, the definition of risk that you see in there. Yeah, fantastic. So, in terms of um, kind of senior business leaders and 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 you know organisations now starting to transition out of COVID and as we start to as things hopefully start to come back to normal, um, we don't know what that new normal is going to be. But you know, with this new standard, with the pandemic, with the global recession. You know, if we're not learning now and we're not making change, when are we ever going to do that? I mean, what would your advice be um, to to people in businesses of all shapes and sizes in terms of moving forward with this with this with these approaches? Well, you've you've, you've really um, have a unique opportunity to um, to make a fundamental difference to your workforce. Um, but the way and how we work has changed. Hmm. 
where we were changed. Um, the management standards, um, and I asked this question a couple of times, is if you look at the six standard areas, which of those six outstanding areas now apply to um, to to look to our two workplaces? The irony is all six of them do. Because mm-hmm. what has COVID nineteen done? Which controls out the window. Mm. Support has been limited, although we think by having a Zoom call or a podcast somehow that actually just but for some people they don't want that. They want connection. They want a real connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we talk about going back to work and saying, well, we're not sure when you're going to be physically back in work, or if you are in work, you're going to have to be distanced from two meters. There's a lot of stuff to be to think about psycho, psychologically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where maybe, that's where the standard, uh, which is complete, which is voluntary, it's not like a, mm-hmm. a legal requirement for 45,003. But I think that will help to have an, a more strategic overview of what you expect to do. But at the heart of it, it's about how you talk to people, it's how you engage with people, it's how you understand what their needs are, and you address that through uh, through good management practice. So that would then come back to the management standards, which is about how you manage people, Fantastic. you know, in, in, in essence. So they, we are we are going to be in a time of change, absolutely going to be in a time of change. It's change I mean, it's, it's changed in the 12 months. Mm-hmm. We've got a generational possibility of people who are going to be coming into the workforce in the next five years who've had a year a year out of, of school, a year out of a number of things, and suddenly they're going to be going into a workplace after they've been in all of these environments and through all of that. And I think we've got to recognise that young workers coming through need to be supported mm. and understand that they've come from this this period of time which has been, um, you know, Heretics for them, mm. and, and you've got other workers who are like you know who have many up for twelve months, and like, oh, what are, you know, what am I going to do? How does that feel? Mm. Where, where where do I go? You know, it's Absolutely. all of those stuff. Absolutely, and that, that and you can't go. Well, I don't think we can do anything about that because you don't have a choice. You have to do something about that. You want a functional workforce. You need to address some of the open questions about how people feel. Uh, care for them and, and how the organisation basically, um, you know, is there to 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 work with them to achieve the goals of that organisation. Growth mindsets and growth as a as a in business only comes when people come with you. Mm. It's not when you force people along. No. Um, and we've seen that time and time again. You, you come from a corporate background. The most successful companies are not necessarily the ones that are ruthless. In how they manage their people, Absolutely. it's people that are, it's those companies that manage people that become successful, and it's the same in going forward in the COVID nineteen. It's how you manage your people in this COVID world that's going to be fundamentally different. I like like Timpsons when the yeah. first wave came along. Um, their business is subsidiaries, uh, but they said to them, close all the close the shop when you close your shops, and we're going to pay you until you come back, and um, we're going to. We are going to look after you. So they, the, the family, the, or Timpsons uh, as an organisation, said that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Now, Timpsons have a, a massively low turnover of staff and a high commitment from an engagement from from the people that they that, that that work with them because they make their people feel valued. Iceland is another company. You know, there's no, a number of companies who so just just get this: looking after your people, they'll look after you. So. 
pretty it's simple, really. Game it's, it's a game changer, absolutely. Yeah. Um, COVID will go, the recession will go, the people's mental health and the impact of what we've gone through in the last 12 months may last longer than that. Yeah. And we need to, we need to uh, be sensitive to people when they come back to the workforce, if they've been out for, for a year and not been back in. It's going to be uncomfortable going into work. It's going to be uncomfortable chatting to people. It's going to be a range of things. But we will get back to 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 a normal sort of way. Uh-huh. Will we get back to open blind offices again? You know, really hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. You know, really, really difficult. Most organisations now are talking about a mixed model of people working at home, working in the office, uh-huh. um, of having you know. 30 or 50, 50% capacity. Yeah, yeah. Tricky, isn't it? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> a whole new world awaits us out there <laughs> when we get back to no, it. No, absolutely. I mean, this is a great time to yeah. look at psychological health and safety in the work and, and think, well, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it differently? Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, the, the whole COVID experience has shown that there, there are there are marked differences between simply dropping somebody in work but like, or putting somebody like working from home and going, here, there you go, I've given you a computer, go and work from home. And actually, what does that mean in terms of their actual management that, that them, um, about the systems, the processes and everything else? We don't know how many people are maybe sat at home and, and suffering from presenteeism. Mm. Do you understand? But then there are other people that have to work through this pandemic such as the healthcare staff and uh, teachers, uh, and where we know that, that, that you know, not globally at a national, international, there's, there are reports coming through of increased sickness absence yeah. around depression and anxiety uh, in, in, in these in, in key workers. So, absolutely, if the, the international data is suggesting that, then it's highly likely that within the, within the UK we're going to see increases in sickness absence. Um, because of the of COVID nineteen, because of the pandemic, and and how we've managed it, and mm-hmm. the, fact, the fact that people have worked and worked and worked through it, now physician burnout's on the increase. Yeah. Uh, I'm speaking at a global summit in August, and it, it's just massive. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge. Well, that's been really insightful, Pete. Um, really great overview, um, and I just want to thank everyone for listening today. We're trying to keep these podcasts to about half an hour, so. Um, that you, um, yeah, it doesn't take you too long to get through them. Um, next week, we're going to be talking to Jason Van Shee, who is a psychologist based in Perth in Western Australia. And Jason works on uh, preventative health initiatives, uh, again, for the purpose of increasing well-being, uh, productivity and safety outcomes in the workplace. Um, so if you've got any specific questions for Jason, you can drop me an email at sheila at BMR healthandwellbeing.co.uk and if you've got any specific questions for Pete or just want to have a little catch up or a chat with him you can hop onto um, Peter's uh, LinkedIn profile and there you'll find uh, an open Zoom link uh, where Peter has a kind of an open house chat between 2pm and 3pm every weekday. Um, so mm-hmm. thanks for listening. And I'm looking forward to talking with Jason because um we, we have some um, strong opinions on things. <laughs> um, it, it should certainly uh, a distinct level of engagement. Um, but, you know, 
um, you know, tremendous, uh, tremendous opportunity to chat to, 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 to Jason, who was, you know, thinking about this six, seven years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think that's the really, you know, the, the, there's some of us have been on this journey for, for, for a lot, long period of time. The last 10 years has been a great trip. And mm-hmm. uh, the last, the last, uh, five years, um, has been good, but worrying because we've, we've, we've met some, so morphing into let's go back and teach the individual and actually we'll be talking with Jason about actually why it's important for the organisation to be at the heart of your uh, your initiatives that you're going to be doing when you're going to try and improve people's mental health absolutely as Excellent. well as the individual yeah absolutely yeah. okay well thank you Peter and as I say I look forward to you all tuning in for the next podcast thanks thank you very much bye bye You've been listening to the UK Psych Health and Safety Podcast. To stay up to date with the latest on psychological injury prevention and the new ISO 45003 standard, follow subscribe to the UK Psych Health and Safety Podcast at www.ukpsychhealthandsafety.com.